Jeremiah, the first chapter, sixth chapter, beginning verse one. Nehemiah six one. I'm going to be speaking as somebody calls, "Stay the course." And uh, I believe it was during the office of Ronald Reagan. This was the um, like the his main phrase when he served in office was stay the course, stay the course. I believe it was Ronald Reagan. Ronald Republican Reagan. Stay the course. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 says, on down to verse 7. When word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sambalat and Gisham sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of what? Oh, no. And what did he tell them? Oh, no. But they were what? Scheming to harm me. So I sent the messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great work or a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times he sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Samuel had sent his aid to me with the same message. And to his hand, and on his hand was sealed a letter in which was written. It is reported among the nations and Gisham says it is true that you and the Jews are planning to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king of Judah now. This report will get back to the king, so come and let us confer together. Verse 11. One of my favorite verses in the entire scriptures. But I said, should such a man as I run to mama. Or should one like I or myself go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Father, I pray that we would be resolute in heart, spirit, in body, and give ourselves wholeheartedly to your work. Great work. We honor and we bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody together said? Praise God. You may be seated. I've utilized this portion of scripture at times, probably I preach on it about once every two years, and I would make reference to, especially verse 11, quite often, should such a man as I run, because when I was reading, when I first ran across the scripture years ago, it really hit home to me. I mean, should such a man as I run, uh, you talking to me? One of them shots. <clears throat> uh, what was happening here, many of you know the, the story, and those of you that went to the discipleship class on Saturday, you were able to see how Jose, Pastor Jose, brought it out so so powerfully, so descriptively, this account, okay, uh, 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 dealing with, you know, persevering and going on for God. Now, what had happened here is that they had to rebuild the walls. The walls were down. And we've studied this before. When the walls were down of a city, it meant that the men of that city had no guts. They had no courage. Because remember what it meant. It meant that it was telling the entire world. Uh, and all of its enemies. You can come in and you can rape my daughter. You can have my wife. Because I just want to smoke my camels and hang out. That's what it was saying. 
It was a sad commentary to the rest of humanity when the walls weren't rebuilt. And, you know, and I've, so even on my nose, but it, it gets, gets close to my heart. You guys know this when you hear me preach on this. It is close to my heart because the neighborhoods of our planet are in such a predicament today. We, and we got to make a difference in that. We got we to go to the inner cities of the world and, and rebuild the walls. But rebuilding is not easy. Athletics, for example. Sometimes, you know, you get a program, like right now the Stanford program, basketball, they're real, real good. But the women, Tara Vanderveer, they have to rebuild. Uh, and sometimes when, when, when people rebuild a program, yes, they'll go for athletes. That's very vital, very important. But a lot of times they'll go for the coach. Now, the guy Montgomery with the men, he's doing a great, tremendous job. And it's hard to do it in a school like Stanford because they're, they're very educated. And, you know, and usually when you're, you got it up here, you don't got it right here. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's difficult. But in times past, they'll get coaches that have done good in various programs. And then maybe bring them back to try and rebuild the program. But it doesn't happen overnight. It can't happen very easy. Very infrequently does that happen. And the same thing here with Nehemiah. In trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, it's not an easy task. Are you with me? Uh, not at all. See, Nehemiah had to go through a number of changes. One young man one time said, he was looking at an individual who, who he thought had it made pretty good in ministry. Okay? And he tells the man in ministry, he says, I would like to do what you do. It looks a little bit easy. Now, like maybe some of you might say pertaining to my ministry. But this man told the individual, who says, I'd like to do what you do because it looks so easy. He says, you can do what I do. But first you got to do what I did. Uh, that's not easy. Uh, sure you can. Well, I'd like to be a preacher. Look at that. My God. Uh, that's not easy. That's not, that's not hard. Uh, oh, you can do what I do, but first you got to do what I did. Uh, ay, ay, ay. Canta y no llores, like you say in Spanish. Now, Nehemiah had been deported along with other men, young men, okay, during the Babylonian captivity. And, and it was under King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a terrible, terrible king, all right? Terrible regime. But then comes a new king. And guess who that king was? Cyrus. Who, who by the way, uh, uh, Isaiah 45, 2 and 3 are about King Cyrus, which is our scripture. But I want you to see who King Cyrus was a little bit better. So I want you to turn to Ezra chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Ezra chapter, just the next, the next book over. Nehemiah, go back to the next book, it'll be Ezra. Ezra chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. I want you to look at the life of Nehemiah, I mean, excuse me, of Cyrus a bit. All right, do you have it? Ezra 1, verse 2. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord God of heaven has given me, and he was, he was a Gentile, he wasn't even a Jew. The Lord God of heaven, he's talking about our God, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem and Judah. Wow. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place where survivors may, have, may be living now are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests of the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved. That's the scripture we have for the Ezra fund. This verse right here. Uh, everyone whose, God, whose heart God had moved prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord of Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with the articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts in addition to all 
the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem. Look at verse 11. In all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shishbazar brought all these along when the exiles came up from Babylon to Jerusalem. We've studied this before. King Cyrus is the one that gave the scripture, I'm going to give you the treasure out of darkness. Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. All right? It, it was given by God to Cyrus, who was an outsider. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. That's the scripture that has been given to Victor Orange. If you, if you, most of you know that, but some of you may not. We have two scriptures God has given us. Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, and Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Okay? But this was given to Cyrus. And what Cyrus did, and I've preached this sermon before. Most of you heard it. When... It, when I'm going to give you treasures out of darkness, riches hidden in secret places, it's talking about what? Money. It's talking about finances. And how many were the mighty men of valor last time? Remember that? And remember at the end of the sermon, I preached a very same sermon that I have spoken in, uh, 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 in Vallejo, dealing with finances, because that's the scripture given to us. It's a sermon entitled, right, are the, are the mustaches in victory outreach? Remember that? Are the mustaches in victory outreach? Uh, which meant that that scripture was right under our nose all the time. That God was going to start blessing us, yes, with, with people, souls, but also with finances. And at the end of, this, of, of, of the, uh, 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 my session, I was a little bit, you know, precautious because, you know, I asked Pastor Sonny, because he's my pastor. I said, Pastor Sonny, can, can we pray for you? He said, sure, go ahead. Pastor Sonny, but I'm still, I mean, he's my pastor. I got to be very, very, you know. And he said, sure. And then when we prayed for him, I, I was believing that the, the, the finances were going to start with Pastor Sonny. I said, Pastor Sonny, God's going to give you the finances. And, and look what happened. I don't know if you understand, but I mentioned this the other day. I mean, he got blessed big time. Big time enough that he, out of his own free will offerings, paid for the entire note that was left on the mother church. That's how much he got blessed. So God's in that. God was in on that. Okay? So Cyrus uh, here, okay, he's the one that let the people go. And what he did, the Bible says, he gave them everything that they had stolen. Everything the devil had stolen, he gave them that and more. That and some. Uh, everything came back to their people. It's going to happen with us as well. See, church, while the enemy had used King Nebuchadnezzar to bring Israel to bondage and slavery under Babylonian captivity and rule, God then lifted up King Cyrus to enable the Jews to rebuild the temple and also to rebuild the walls. Okay? Now, the key is that Nehemiah was able to do this because he was able to bend and not break. He was able to be a word called docile. Docile. And you're able to bend and not break. And he was able to adapt. If you want to be, I was going to say leadership, but really if you want to be a Christian, you need to learn to adapt. When you take my level, well, excuse me, phase four classes, uh, you, you, you know, I, I start with the three A's right away. And one of them is attitude. You have to have a good attitude. But the next thing that I teach on is adaptability. If you want to be a good minister, you've got to learn to adapt. If you can't go with the flow, oh no, hallelujah, uh, then you can't by and large go. You've got to learn to adapt. In Christianity, especially in the men's home. I'm looking over here. Uh, you got to adapt over there, brother. Uh, is that my toothpaste? Yeah, use it. Hallelujah. You know, one of them shots. Uh, see, Nehemiah was able to, to bend. And, and Romans 12, 16 says, to condescend a man of low degree. <clears throat> okay, and I've taught on this before. Condescending means going down and meeting them where they're at, helping them, and then bringing them back up to where you're at. Uh, Nehemiah was able to do that. Romans tells us, Paul says, condescend. Go down to where the people are at, but don't stay there. Like right now, we're involved in, in helping the, the people with the gangs and all, but we're going to go down to where they're at, but we're not going to stay there. 
Uh, someone ain't going to be looking like no cholo. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, we still got to wear ties on Wednesdays over here. Uh, praise the Lord. No, other the ministers, praise God. Larry, now you know. You know, next Wednesday. <laughs> uh, but we got to go. That's what he was able to do. Nehemiah went down where the need was, and then he brought him up where he was. That's so very vital in, in, in Christianity. The Bible says in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall. Nehemiah went from cupbearer to contractor. That's what he did. Uh, that, that's, that's pretty difficult to do. Uh, and in a sense, wow, what we're doing here, we're not, we're not rebuilding the walls, we're knocking down the walls. But we're in, involved in the very same kind of a project. A great work, if you will. It's a great work. Because once these things are done, hallelujah. Uh, we're going to be able to expand to the left and to the right. Which is Isaiah 54, 2 and 3 not coming to pass with us. Huh? But we're involved in a great work. But again, Christianity is oftentimes perspective, how you see things, how you view things. And we have to have a perspective here. But he went from cupbearer to contractor. When we were getting together with the men uh, 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 to do this project that we're going to be doing in a while. It's been a while since we got together with the guys that know how to use hammer and all that stuff. But it ended up, you know who's a real contractor here? Me. Uh, I have to go from, you know, great father, hallelujah, uh, from cupbearer to contractor. That's not easy to do. Uh, so I have to keep my feelers open. Uh, Ed, Ed's always telling me, uh, Bullock, our, our, our broker here, that Jose really, really adapts real good over there in Santa Rosa. He said, that guy adapts. He learns everything. And you, you guys that know Jose, and Daniel, you know Jose real, real good because he's your brother. Uh, and that guy, he, 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 he's sharp. He, he'll get everything. Uh, because he wants the best for the things of God. That's the way he's been taught, and he knows that. But we got to be the same way. We got to learn to adapt. Matter of fact, if you're married, whoo, you got to learn to adapt. Uh, you got to be docile. Uh, ay, ay, ay. You know, docile means to bend but not break. But I think you got to be, you know, you got to be all kinds of ways, hallelujah, and not break. So it wasn't easy going from cupbearer to contractor. Are you with me? Uh, you, 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 you know, Nehemiah was, was able to go through that transition and he was able to do it successfully. Christ himself left his throne in glory and he condescended to men of low degree. He learned to adapt to be, become just like us. See, Nehemiah, and the key here that I want to bring out here in this sermon, he was a number of things. He was compassionate, okay, he was a, uh, he was a corporate kind of a guy. He had courage, number of C's. But a C that I want to bring out here for this sermon is that he was consistent, Consistent. He stayed the course. He didn't give up. He stayed at it. He was resolute uh, in, in, in heart. But you can, you can read the heart through the per, a person's eyes. That's what the Bible says. Show me the, the eyes of the window of, of the soul. And you can see it in somebody. Can you, let me just tell you. Can you see it in my eyes that we're going to get this thing done someday? Oh, yeah. You know, I wish I could do it faster. I wish it bulge out or something. You know, but I, I, we got to stay the course. They're going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to have, oh, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. Uh, but you have to have that too in Christianity and in your ministry and in your marriage. Hallelujah. Huh? Consistency. See, Nehemiah had that, uh, uh, you know, had that inner dimension, that, that inner desire to see the job done till every, you know, I was dotted, till every T was crossed. He stayed the course. But Nehemiah had a, had, had a goal and he had a vision. And inner desire that kept him going on. But not only did he, you know, did it keep him going on, but it also gave him uh, an inner desire to change. That's what we talked about on Sunday. This sermon here is just banking on the sermon on Sunday. Uh, he had that inner desire to change. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 
Okay, it's like, and I've taught on this before as well. Second Corinthians 2 1. Paul says, Next time I see you, I don't want to be the same person, which means you're going to have to change. <clears throat> you're going to have to evolve. You're going to have to grow. Uh, that's why I wanted to bring out a sermon like this after Sunday's sermon. I want to bank on it. Many of you made the altar call. Many of you said, Hey, I'm not going to be a conformer. I want to be a transformer. I'm going to change. Ah, that's what Nehemiah had to go through changes. He had to go from cupbearer, which was a very lucrative business, by the way. I mean, you, you hung out with a king. Uh, how many know when you hang out? If you hang out with a president, you're going to be all right. Uh, yeah. Ask Hillary. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, but uh, that's a different story. I don't want to touch that one. I'm not going to touch that one. I'm talking about Nehemiah, another, a man of integrity over here. Hallelujah. Uh, but when you hang out with, with, with the king, you're going to be all right. It was a very lucrative business that, that he was involved in, being a cupbearer. Dangerous. But it paid real good. And he went from that kind of a, you know, like a corporate guy, a corporate individual. You know, never, never had his, you know, he didn't, his hands weren't all that, they were pretty smooth and all that, to being a contractor. That's quite a transition. It's not easy to do. But he had to be like Paul, resolute. Next time you see me, I'm not going to be the same. And what a blessing to see that many of you, uh, you know, every, whenever your family sees you, man, you've changed. But you continue to change. You continue to evolve. That's the key. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But if you continue, you just can't stay in plateau and stay in one level. God wants you to score, raise the standard, raise the level, even in your own life. That's what happened with Nehemiah. He went from a lucrative lifestyle to being a cupbearer. And then, you know, I wrote down here Richard's name real quick. By the way, Jocelyn comes in tomorrow, Pastor Richard's wife from, uh, from uh, Manila. But Richard, he, he went from, he, he was a very lucrative uh, jeweler. He owned, when we used to be over on Royal Avenue in Hayward, we, we had eight acres and we oversaw it, but we didn't have the whole building. Part of the building belonged to a contractor, <laughs> how funny, and another one <clears throat> belonged to Richard. He was the owner of a daycare center. <laughs> he owned a daycare center and he, he was a jeweler, okay? <clears throat> By the way, look at Justin's jewelry when she comes. Uh, I remember that. Well, that's another story. <coughs> but anyways, then one day, this is heavy about Pastor Richard. He said one day he was taking all the money from George's Jewelers, where he worked there near First Street in San Jose, to the bank on First Street, uptown, during, during uh, 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 lunchtime. And there's a lot of people going on. It's, it's going on. In San Jose. And God told him as he was taking the money, he says, kneel down right now and worship me. Get on your knees right here in front of everybody because this is your last day on the job. No, no, no. Don't try this at home. <laughs> you know, battery's not included. All right. You got to really know, you know. But God spoke to him. God had told him, you know, get down. And he, he asked him about the story. He got on his knees and he started worshiping God. And, and he went into the bank when people, and people were in the bank that, that walked by him. And he was on his knees. Uh, but that was the last day. He went, uh, quite a transition. What I'm trying to say about him, you go see him now in Manila. Now, he's got a nice place now. But when I was there, when he was, you know, opening that beautiful, beautiful building that they have now. After six, seven years of being there. I was just sitting there uh, tripping. Because I remember Dan knows, because Dan was with him. Well, Dan got there a little bit late, but he took a taxi and got to the home. Uh, but you know what you guys went through. I know what they went through. It wasn't easy. I mean, just sitting there and wow, you know. I was thinking of the first time they were there and they had to, 
they, they had to get a house, and they finally got a house. And they had to leave, get out of Dr. Kua's place, the discipleship home. And he, he said it was raining. The, the rain was up to here. But they got the contract to go get their own home. He says, we're going. I don't care if it's a rain. We're going. We're just get out of here. They went into their new home that they had gotten. And it's not, but that was not easy back then. But transitions, adaptability, going through these things. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Bottom line. Amen? So, again, we need to be able to adapt and to stretch ourselves. Okay? And it has to do with stretching your mentality. Very important. See, the walls had hit home with Nehemiah. Like if they've hit home with me. In other words, Nehemiah said, man, no, 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 no. Man, our, 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 our men are a bunch of huevones. That's in Spanish. That means lazy bums. Uh, and he said, no more, no more. Uh, uh-uh. Cody's going to become Christian. Hallelujah. Uh, Larry Lopez is going to get off his bike and stop going to, to the bars. He's going to go to church. Uh, because the whole family's riding at it. Hallelujah. Uh, Monica's sitting here this evening with her mother. Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. But what a blessing. Because people decide to be resolute, put their foot down. And say, enough is enough, no more. I'm going to grow. I'm going to become what God wants them to be. We're going to rebuild the walls of our families. So much is riding on your radios. See, Nehemiah had it in him to change and to adapt. And we have to as well. Because we can do how many things? Through Christ. See, with Nehemiah, after he summoned up his courage, then he knew what he needed to do. He needed to be consistent. He couldn't give up. Should such a man as I run? No! I know what I, I don't have an identity crisis. I see, and sometimes I think the enemy will come and lie to us like he did here. Try to lie to Nehemiah to try and get you to, you know, oh, don't worry about it. Take it easy. And he wants to get you off course. Stay the course. And one thing, especially some of you that are going to go pioneer and work some things, and some of you are far from here, because it happened to me here. I know what I'm telling you, speaking from experience. The devil will try to tell you, oh, what you're doing is baby stuff. Uh, and then you go into the barrios, inner cities, barangays, ghettos of the world, and people will talk about you, like they did about Nehemiah. Ah, oh, what are you doing? Uh, you know, nah, we need doctors, what we need. We need attorneys. Uh, we need Donald Trump's over here. What do you got? You ain't got nothing to offer. And you're going to have to say, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm about a great work. I'm doing a great work here. See, Christianity and ministry's perspective. You're going to have to fight the enemy on these things. And we need to understand that as a, as a whole, as a group. The work that we're involved in is a great work. It's a great work. Every one of you are valuable. Everyone. I mean, I trip out on, on all of you. I mean, I get, a, I get to see all of you. Uh, and I do. I stay amazed at everybody. But I, every time I see you, I see more of you. That's what, when I sit up, I see more of you. Because if God reached you, he can reach 30 more of you. He can't. Huh? 30 times all these people, hallelujah. Huh? Because God is involved in his business. So Nehemiah, after he, like I said, he summed up his courage, then he knew he had to be consistent. Key, the key is, church, that God will always provide for people that are willing to respond in faith to his call. He's always going to provide. There's always going to be, as I taught before, a ram caught in the thicket. Remember, you remember that? Just in case you don't understand what that means. It's when Abraham was going to go sacrifice his only begotten son. And he was being obedient. He was just branching out in faith. God told him, kill your only begotten son. Sacrifice him. And his son, once you know, he says, Dad, we have the wood, we have the fire. 
But where's the sacrifice? Shut up, Stephen, it's you. <laughs> Eat your mush and hush. Uh, and when the Bible says he went to go strike his only son, wow, he's going to do it. God says, no. Now I have seen your obedience. Look to your right. There's a ram there for the sacrifice. There's always a ram caught in the thicket. But God takes you as far as he can. He'll take you as far as he can because he's testing you. He's checking you out. But there's always a ram caught in the thicket. Uh, remember the people, the, the, the Jews, when they, were, they came up against the Red Sea? Wow. Oh, mountains, mountains, the Egyptians, the Red Sea. But for every Red Sea, there's a party. But he'll bring you to your Red Sea. He'll bring you to the very end of yourself. And boom, there's a home. Hallelujah. Oh. Thank God. God will always provide what I'm trying to say. There's always a ram cut in a thicket. Uh, when the Jews were out marching, that's what Jose talked about on Saturday. And I, it really, it, it was very descriptive for me. The way he brought it out. Simple but very descriptive on Saturday. Because I really didn't, had not really thought it all out the way he brought it out. Very simple, those of you that were on Saturday. But it's a fact. Moses took those people out to Nowheresville. Ah. Uh, but it ended up being, it had a shopping mall with manna all over it and quail and, you know, I mean, God, God, God made this shopping area out in the desert. He brought out water, he brought a, you know, a, a, a wall of fire by night so they could see where they were going and stopping and a cloud by, during the day so they wouldn't get all, I mean, it's, it's a hot in the desert. But when they went out in faith, God provided. God always came through. Guys in the home, you need to understand that because I, I know what you're going through. I've been there. And I, I relish every moment that I went through all that stuff. Learning, learning. Uh, you can do what I do. After you did what I did. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, but they didn't have, there wasn't a Wendy's out in the desert. Ah, uh, no Wendy's. Uh, but God had man is waiting for them. Hallelujah. Uh, my kind of place. You know, really what was happening is the Jews were actually living on the edge. That's really what it was. When I was preaching about it, I thought about that. Living on the edge. Uh, seeing how far or how close they could get from living on the edge. But God always came through. Uh, and in a sense, that's where we're at right now, Victory Outreach. We're, we're always living on the edge. You belong to this church. Uh, what's what's going to happen next? <clears throat> I think August 6th through the 14th, we're going to Manila. We're having a Manila invasion from our region. We're going to go do Ghetto Fabulous. All right? Living on the edge. Ah. Uh, in a sense, we don't even think about the money. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to cost. But I thank a lot of you who always responded and you've gone. God, be quiet. Because you're living on the edge and God always comes through. Uh, if you feel you need, you, God's telling you to go, uh, God's not going to say, oh, no, hallelujah. He's going to say, go, by and large. Hallelujah. But you got to go through your pastor or something. Huh? See, God chose the Jews, but they were the least of everybody. And it's a lot sometimes like victory outreach. See, because for people who live on the edge, uh, only cutting-edge people can thrive under these circumstances. They, they thrive, they don't just survive, which goes along with my sermon on, on Sunday. They thrive when you're living on the edge. It's not just survival. It's not, you don't just survive, you thrive. God blesses you. Uh, this morning, uh, I don't see her here today, but Lupe called for my wife. And uh, Sister Lupe Palomino. And I said, no, she's not here. I forgot to tell you. Uh, I got a list of things I forgot to tell her, you know, <laughs> uh, because I picked her up and I was just, I was focused. I had to come preach. I was over here. And I, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but this is powerful. She goes, Lupe goes, well, I guess I can tell you. Well, okay, I'm second place. Go ahead, you know. 
I'm just a pastor, you know. <laughs> she goes, remember that, the pledges we picked up on Sunday? And remember how everything you said, how God always comes through and all that? I said, yeah. She goes, well, I went home, and on Monday, the amount that I needed to pay my pledge, I got. I got. So I came in on Monday, and, and, and you know, the, the people that work in the office know that. She came and she paid her whole pledge. She goes, yesterday, two days later, I got a check in the mail for double that amount. Just like that. Uh, living on the edge. Uh, and maybe on Sunday we'll have her come from her own bones. I'll let her say it. Uh, but that's what God is able to do. You don't just survive. You thrive when you're living on the edge. It's not easy. A few white hairs involved. Maybe quite a few hairs involved. But you know what? This is worth it. To me, I think every one of these white hairs stands for something that God has for me in heaven. The works do follow them. Hallelujah. Give me more white hairs. That's all right. Are you with me? See, we got to live abundantly, not redundantly. Same old, same old. Huh? Same old, no, 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 no. Abundantly, not redundantly. Now, thank God every time when we come on Wednesdays, we do, who's going to preach? We don't know who's going to preach. But God always shows up and God moves. See, Nehemiah learned to improvise, to go with the flow until the job was done and complete. Uh, remember, he had a job to do. And he didn't go for the okey-doke of the enemy's lies and cons. He didn't come down. One of the key qualities and characteristics of a motivated corporate man like Nehemiah is that he or she, my friend, has to learn to spot ridicule for what it is. Because they were ridiculing him. They were messing with him. And you got to look at it for what it is. Don't dwell on it. People are going to talk about you. Did you know that? Well, if you don't think so, watch. I'm going to talk about Walter right now. If you get him out of the way. Uh, <laughs> especially if you're a Christian. The devil don't want you to be a Christian. He wants you in hell. I mean, all the odds of hell are they're going to come against you. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of times you're going to want to throw in the towel. Especially with that, man, I had it better in the world. I had better friends before I was a Christian. Yeah, right. No way. But it's a lie. But he makes it sound so good. Makes it look so good. They don't leave me and love me in this home. Uh, but your hope feeds. That dope feeds here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Chucky took one red and old deed. That's it. He wasn't a drug addict. Uh, the enemy will just try and divert you. He's a father of all lies. He bursts all kinds of lies. That's what he does. See, Nehemiah told him, hey, I've, I'm, I've been talked about before. Get in line. You want to talk about me? Get in line. Don't going to bother me. Look at Mark 5.36 as, as I get close to closing. Mark 5.36, powerful scripture here. Powerful scripture. Powerful scripture. I repeat, powerful scripture. Mark 5.36. What kind of scripture? Powerful scripture. See, somebody once said, who had acquired things and had achieved things, the road to success is paved with critics. Somebody once said that. That's a fact. The road to, the, to success is paved with what? Critics. Do you have Mark 5.36? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. See, sometimes faith begins by plugging up your ears. <laughs> Simple as that. There's a powerful scripture to me. He ignored what the people, people were talking about him and saying about him. He had to ignore uh, because he had a job to do. 
He had a cross to go to. He had a humanity to win. He, had, he was involved in a great work, as we are. And how you view it. Every one of you are so vital and important. You know, I know that when I look out, I, I, I see, I don't, you know, I see the, all of you, but when I look at each and every one of you, wow, I see the potential in you and what God has for you. And if I do that, God must really be check, checking all of you out and tripping on you. Because uh, so much is riding on your radials. And they're not Firestone, by the way. Hallelujah. Thank God. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes faith begins by just plugging up your ears. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. He's going to try and, and tell you all this stuff. Oh, victory outreach. Oh, man, you know, they were on drugs. Yeah, we were, some of us. But that attests to the power of God. I mean, who, who, the power of God is in this place. Oh, power of God is here. Thank God for that. We're involved in a great work. And we need to understand that. Uh, planting churches all over the world. But we must be purposeful and consistent. See, Adam and Eve went for the okie-doke. They came down. Nehemiah says, I cannot come down. I can't come down. I'm involved in a great work. Uh, what a, but I'm going to ignore all that. He ignored it. <clears throat> sometimes you're going to have to be, be big and tall. And, and sometimes, because I've had close personal friends of mine who get saved, then all of a sudden people start talking about them. And these were dudes that were better, way much better hustlers than me. Oh, way better. I, the kind of hustler I was, I was a funny one. <laughs> I was standing corners because I didn't have good eyes, couldn't see. I waited for people to come to me to go score. That, that's, that's what I evolved to. Penny, Annie, gutter hype. Uh, and I was, my, my friends, they would just, you know, they wouldn't even honk at me no more. They were going to waste their horn. Because uh, they had cars, I never had cars. Uh, they were bad motor scooters. And now they're Christians, they're saved, and they, they sissy up. <laughs> they're talking about me. They should. You're a chavala. That's not a lie, brother. That's the truth. You can't handle the truth. You got to learn to handle the Bible. You got to learn to handle the devil. You got to learn to handle the things of God. A great work. That's we're involved in. Don't let the devil beguile you. Adam and Eve came down. They came down. And you know the result? Sin entered. Because they came down. Don't come down from the great work. Stay up there. Um, I have a sermon called Vantage Point. And if you've ever been a soldier, you know, when they had to take Porkchop Hill, they had to take different hills. Uh, you got, soldier, take that hill. Mine is not the reason why. Mine is but to do or die. Uh, that's it. Well, we're soldiers under command too. See, Jesus took a hill called Calvary. And he ain't coming down. Uh, listen, every, every inch of ground that you take, don't give it up. Don't come down. Stay the course. Fight for that hill. Uh, Nehemiah says, I ain't coming down. You talking to me? Uh-uh. No. I, you know, I've done all kinds already to get this far. I've come this far by faith. When I first got saved, a lot of the old timers and the old time religion used to say that. We've come this far by faith. We ain't going to give it up. Uh-uh. Not at all.
look at, look at all that God's done for Victory Outreach, Hayward. And there's more to come, but we ain't going to give it up. Uh, as I look out and I see some of the young people here, I say, man, we're fighting for these kids. Uh, I don't care if they give us honor or honor is due or they don't. Well, I sort of do. They better, <laughs> you know. But it's not for my sake. It's not for my, I don't, I don't care about me. I don't care. I care about, because I know what it means to have honor. They have to have it because if not, then they're not going to be able to keep what we've got given them. They have to, you know, they, it's important to them, not for me. I don't care. Uh, but it's just like, it's an innate character. It's integrity. You know, look what they've done for us. Uh, but they, they, a number of people came down. Jesus didn't come down. He didn't come down. He, the Bible says he was at the pinnacle of the temple. And the devil tempted him. Jump. Come on down. The Bible says, you know, God, the Lord will give you angels charge over you. Jesus didn't jump. Because he would have got out of his grace level. He would have got out of the word of God. So he had to stay. No, no, no. I got to stay where God wants me to be. I know where I belong. Uh, you always get in trouble when you get out of your grace level. Ask Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> That's when you get in trouble. You got to know where your grace level is and stay there. Uh, and I, I ain't jumping. I ain't coming down. And, and the rest is history. Matter of fact, history is called his story. That's what it means. His story. Uh, but right now, you're building a history for your family. By patience and perseverance, the snail made it to the ark. <laughs> Stay the course, guys. Don't, don't, don't go. Stay there. It's worth it. I know what I'm talking about. Man, I've had so many glorious moments now. When I buried my little nephew, it was tough and difficult, but, but wasn't that glorious though, Ed? You were there. Powerful. About a thousand people. And these were real, real gangsters. These weren't, you know, batteries weren't included in these guys. Uh, they, they, these were real gangsters there. Uh, but it was, it was powerful. What a, what a grand opportunity I had. As a matter of fact, every time I've been talking to people from Santa Paula, everybody's telling me, they're still talking about that funeral. Uh, I mean, if they, if I, the first time I went to Santa Paula, I had a street meeting. I took some of the guys from the home. We were headed towards, uh, uh, we're near, near Watsonville. We are coming up here for a, a rally. Uh, but we stopped in Santa Paula. I asked the director, can we stop in Santa Paula? Yes. When I got there to have a street meeting, Santa Paula never heard of a street meeting. Uh, and I went to the place I used to hang out. Nobody was there, but I just, uh, we just had a street meeting. Nobody, we, we preached through the air. You know, and I, sometimes I still do that. And I've had some of the people, when, you know, I give them the mic, they go, Pastor, I, said, I tell them, tell the devil. Tell the devil. He makes every service. Don't worry, just tell the devil. Because I know the power. There was nobody there. But man, did we get repercussions. My mother said she kept getting phone calls. We seen Steve out there as they were driving. Well, he was out there talking to somebody. Oh. <laughs> Now, 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 listen, what I'm saying, I'll have to say this. Now, if I made an impression on talking to nobody, what kind of impression are we going to make talking to a thousand people that really need Jesus? Stay the course. Don't come down. There's too many tar bad repercussions when you come down. 
Adam and Eve came down. Sin into the picture. Jesus didn't come down. Sin was able to be forgiven. I went every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head is bowed and every eye closed. Spirit of God moving and ministering. 